Upper 90, a podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Paul Scholes from the phone booth. Oh, laser. Alright guys, welcome to week four of the Upper 90 podcast presented by Sand and Serve Soccer Club. This is your host again, Dan McCarthy, joined weekly again by Carl Dixon and welcoming back this week from his international Julie, Sam Fairhurst. Welcome back, mate. Good to be back. Oh, great to be back, mate, yeah. Carl, happy to have him back. As always. <laughs> nice welcoming. <laughs> <laughs> so the three amigos from the UK are back. This week, we're going to touch on technical training, the importance of it, when you should be doing it, and really, what is it? What is technical training? The man himself, Ngolo Conte, kick it off. What, do you, what is technical training for you? Uh, I mean, I would define it as just any kind of training or any kind of work where you're working on the technical aspects of the game. So um, when we say like technical aspects, we're talking dribbling a ball, controlling a ball, passing a ball shooting a ball, heading a ball, all those kinds of things that the technical training is basically any kind of training where you're working on those things for me. So everything that you do in soccer? Uh, well, <laughs> everything that you kind of do with a ball, because, you know, there's obviously there's technical training, there's tactical training. Um, I'm sure we'll end up touching on it where, you know, we see some coaches doing a lot of tactical training when... They've got, you know, seven, eight-year-old kids who are just getting introduced to the game and they're standing around listening to a coach talk nonsense when really, at the younger ages, they should be all have a ball, all working on these technical skills, basically, so they can, they can learn them. And then once, they can, once they've learned them, they can then start to try and master those skills. Carl, for you. Technical training, you know, it's, it's a broad term, but for me, you know, and we will focus on our club and the relative age groups, seven to 14. It's just a ball be involved in the training as much as possible. You know, whatever topic the coach goes into, fantastic, but you know, it, it's situations where whether every kid has a ball or, you know, you're doing a session where every two or three have a ball and focusing on the touches and the topics and then that can obviously stem into you know types of pass types of first touch dribbling skills 1v1s 2v2s you know playing out of the back crosses attacking so it's all relative relative but it's vitally important that the coaches in the age groups that i talked about are doing things things with the ball too many times we're seeing tactics 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 and you know unfortunately that relates to the sports out here that are very play tactic driven and our sports not like that you know it, it yes we do have scenarios where we can make plays but there's definitely a bigger aspect of having that player have the technical skills to make a lot of decisions Okay, so 
back to you again, Carl, with your mate Harry here, special guest, Harry the dog. Uh, your collective thoughts on what is, if you had to define it, what is technical training? I just did. <laughs> yeah. What is it? So you talked yeah, about yeah, the, where I you just, see I just it. said it. The, the, <laughs> ball, the ball, you know, being involved. I don't want to dive too in depth about it, but, you the know. Fans want to hear your like opinion. 7v7 team. You know, every player should be working on skill topics, stemming into topics that are relative to the age group and what happens on game day. We should see the kids, you know, not standing still as much, moving. There should be competition in there within that technical training, in my opinion. And, you know, then that builds from there. If we do that with our youngest age groups, then when you get to that 13, 14 year old age group, you can really start to work on phases of play and tactics, you know, playing through the midfield or whatever that topic is. So yeah, I, I'm looking at right now, 7v7 or even 9v9, seven to 11, you know, the ball's involved, all the kids are touching it in a topic, working on all aspects of their, their skill range. Okay, Sam, for you, technical training, more of a description on it and for you what you what you, if you had to define technical training uh well I, i'm i'm pretty similar to call on that one um like i said in my intro it's basically anything where you're working on controlling passing dribbling shooting heading and everything <laughs> else that goes with the um, game i'll kind of echo what carl said in, in the younger ages really important that that's the focus technical training so then in the older ages you can work on that te- tactical stuff and you don't have your sessions breaking down when when you're trying to, Carl, use example, build through midfield, if everyone can pass a ball properly, control the ball properly, the body shape's correct because you've worked on those technical things when they're young, the tactical sessions in the older age groups are a lot easier to run. Okay, fair enough. So staying with you, Sam, when and where should you be doing technical training? Uh, I mean, specifically technical actual training, as we call it. Like you say, if you're a younger player, you should be doing it in all your practices. Um, I wouldn't call it specifically technical training, but I would say touching a ball on your own could class as technical training. And this could just be like we used to do as kids, side of the house, kicking a ball against the wall, on the field with, with your friends, playing a game of soccer tennis where you've made, a, you've made a soccer tennis net out of a little bit of wire that you stole from someone's shed, you know. Anyway, <laughs> Wigan stories. You can tell, you can tell you grow up he's, not, he's not even on a. He's not even on a football pitch. He's in a. He's in a field. <laughs> Cows and yeah. everything. He soccer tennis over a couch. <laughs> Wigan. Are you using as sheep as your tennis net by any chance? <laughs> if, if you go cow tipping and you push one over, it's easy because the cow doesn't move there. <laughs> we, do, we do not advocate animal cruelty on this podcast. Just to let you know. But yeah, I would say. Um, you can do technical training technically anywhere. You can, you can do it on your own. And I think those players who really, really want to be the best players and they want to play at a high level, they should be doing it all the time. They should, there's no excuse for not grabbing a ball and going to the local field or playing in the driveway or even... I used to play in the house and as for as long as I could until I broke something and then I was banned for a few days and then I play again, so... I think, match ban. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think uh, broken fast. I think technical training. Can... I had, I had actually similar where I used to do it outside my granny's back, and then I'd I'd do it off the wall, and then obviously the kitchen window there was a little slither, yeah. so you're playing off that wall, and then you hit the window, and instead of getting a free match ban, I got brushed to the head. <laughs> so, anyways, 
Move on. Uh, I think that what you're getting at, I think you're going to try and now stem it into like technical training with actual one-on-one trainers. Is, well, that, is that where you're going with this? Rumour on, rumor on the street is you're the man for the technical 1v1. I figured this would be a good chance for a little plug. Uh, <laughs> I think, hey, it's a great point what Sam was talking about though and it goes back into last week. Culture. The culture. The culture of playing the game and playing the sport not being forced to play it training not being forced on you none of us did one-on-one training we didn't to be honest like we didn't even know technical training it was just you're just getting touches on a ball trying stuff you know you were bending balls around stuff to hit something practicing that and you know out here unfortunately we talked about the culture of the game being a little different not growing up with it as much in certain areas so people are seeking one-on-one training to develop the touches and look I think it's great that people are seeking that you know obviously people charge for that so if you can afford it fantastic but I also think it's relative to get your kid in areas like futsal or playing the game as much as possible without even a coach involved because that's where you're going to pick up those technical skills and try little things so that, that would be my thought yeah I think it's very easy to hit a shortcut and go out and get a trainer sometimes and you know go using machines that are available out there such as Toka I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that but you know sometimes it's just about going on YouTube and watching or going and watching Premier League games La Liga games international games whatever it is and just watching your heroes and the players out there who are at the top doing it and you know trying to replicate some of the things they're doing and notice some of the simple things that they're doing maybe not the rainbows and stuff like that but you know just the first touch the control how they get out of small spaces, stuff like that. So that all comes from technical training. So as coaches of club teams, you know, young and old, um, do you focus on technical training in your practices, in your weekly team practices? If so, how? Carl, we'll go with you. Uh, well, of course, I focus on it. Yeah, it's... it's, <laughs> it's the... You'd be surprised. Some coaches don't they go all tactical, you yeah? know? No, look... Let, let me jump in here with a story. Oh, so, hey, bacon! So, it's one minute. Please, all right, guys, sit down, get, get your coffees. There's a lot of listeners that won't know this, but I used to live in Florida, right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'll go quick. One of the first teams I went out to coach in Florida, um, they had they had a. It was like a. It was a little. It wasn't a full on AYSO team. It was a bit of a mix, but they had a volunteer coach. So I went in and I just helped him with his practices. Couldn't be at the games. So he would always give me a report on the games. I would try and work on certain things with him. And he would always come and say, yeah, we did really poor. We couldn't do this, we couldn't do that. And the team wasn't a very strong team. So when it got to practice, I let him do one of the practices to see what he had been doing with these girls. And he spent a full hour practice doing kickoff set plays. And they were running about, they had about 10 different kickoffs and the reason he started the doing that, league clubs are doing that. The yeah. reason he started doing so many kickoff set pieces was because they kept conceding so many goals. They were getting a lot of kickoffs, and he figured this was going to be his best chance <laughs> to score goals. Well, yeah, hey, <laughs> pump it forward. I, I think it's a it's a great stem into, and probably a lot of our listeners who are volunteer coaches and coach on the rec side, you know, they, people might say it, but I don't think they mean it. You know, they want to develop kids and players. They're trying to figure out a way to win the game. Yeah. That's it. That's all they're doing. And that's a fact, you know. And people 
look at me after a win or a loss with any age group and sometimes have questioned like why do you not react to a win or you look like you don't care after the loss and it's it's all in perspective of I just want to develop these kids to play the game when they're older and have the touches and have the ability to make all the decisions so you know I think that could stem into definitely the rec side a little bit. It's obviously very hard. That's volunteer people. Yeah. They're not educated in it. There's nobody really mandating it. So, you know, but back to your question on what do I do in training? It's always very technical, especially with the youngest age groups. And then it goes into relevant, relevant topics, you know, 77 playing out of the back, you know, do they have the skill ability to make the decisions? One of the decisions might be to dribble and take a player on. I'll reinforce that in the training. And then if you're doing a scenario where it's 2v2 and you're building out the back from one side and the other two get to win the ball and score, at least then you're still hitting other topics within the practice, but reinforcing the dribbling aspect out of the back. Now, are they gonna dribble every time out of the back? No. They'll play a pass to break the lines, maybe play back to the keeper, play a wide pass, or maybe a little chip pass into the striker's feet. It's our duty every week or every few weeks or every six weeks to give those players the skill ability to make those decisions. What? And that's you know what we do throughout the club. We focus on, do we give these kids the ability that when they get the game day, they can make the decisions? No, none of our coaches are thinking about how do we get the result at the weekend because we know when we put all that skill, technical training in with the small side of games with the topics, that should make us successful. Yep. Now, if the other team plays a certain way, then we might have to adjust to the weekend and we do that in the game. But our, that is what our training is always focused on, developing players that can play the game and make a lot of decisions. And look, it won't always go right you know, a lot of time it might go wrong, but in in the bigger aspect of it, you know, it's doing that individual justice and it's doing the whole team justice. You right. know what I mean? So, so technical training, just to sum it up, it is not just, you know, skills on the ball, step over, scissors, first touch control. It's also about making mental decisions and decision making, when to pass, dribble or shoot, the three, you know, topics and choices that you have in a game. So... I think a lot of coaches, parents, listeners on this podcast, when we say technical training, may be thinking we're trying to advocate, you know, how many skills you can do or how many touches you can get in the game. But what we're really, what also coincides with this topic is giving the kids the opportunity to make multiple decisions and know when in situations in games what decisions to make based off their technical ability. So, So the game is, a big part of the game is decision making. And like, especially at the top level, you'll see, you'll, you'll, People talk about winning and losing games off a bad decision or a good decision. Obviously, we're not coaching at a level, but part of our job is to help the kids make decisions. If the kids don't have any technical ability, it will affect the decisions that they can make. So, for example, I'm going to use Kevin De Bruyne, plays for Man City. Yeah. He's a, Some would call him a centre midfielder. Some would say he's an attacking midfielder or a wide midfielder. He's that good. He can play basically anywhere. Well, we just call him a bowler. Yeah. But the, the thing that's so good about De Bruyne is on the field, he's able to make any kind of decision that he wants because his technical ability is so good. Yep. So, for example, he's a very good short passer of the ball. He's a very good long passer of the ball. He can cross a ball very well. He can dribble. He can shoot with his right foot. He can shoot with his left foot. He can pass with his right, pass with his left. 
he's got a few little skill moves he can turn he's got this this technical ability where <clears throat> it allows him to make any kind of decision which makes him very very difficult to play against yeah. so obviously it's going to be tough for us to develop players as good as Kevin De Bruyne yeah but hey never know use, using that kind of the thing that I talked about about him being able to do a little bit of everything that's what we want to try and give our kids so that they can make any kind of decision they want yeah there's nothing worse than seeing a kid who can do all these moves but he'll never do a move to go to his left foot because he can't shoot with his left foot so we want to be able to have players who can play with both feet they can do moves they can pass a ball high they can pass a ball low we, we want them to be able to do all those things so in the long run they have all these different decisions that they can make yeah and even I think another one would be touch on what you just said there a kid who has all the skills in the world but also they've got to make the right decisions and when to do those skills if you're you know four yards outside your goal in your own box do you want to be doing step overs and trying to get out of there probably not so it's about you know making the right decision when to for example on the attacking sense when to cross the ball when to shoot when to drive into towards the goal when to drive out you know to create a cross you've got to make the right decisions you can have all the skills in the world but it's about you know touching into your mental side and being able to know when if how to use the skills you possess to make the correct decision to benefit not just yourself but obviously the team in in the game so Carl I know you want to jump on this I'm not going to jump into this but there was something you said earlier you talked about Toka oh yeah I'll give Toka a plug here but Toka was based on uh, it was a whole recovery method so the guy who invented it was injured and he wanted a chance to train and he was at home uh, by himself and he didn't have the opportunity to have someone train with him so he, he invented that machine to, to help him get extra touches to recover and get fit again and you know you, you'll see a lot of one-on-one training you know I think in the UK and with professional players is very about recovery based or helping players get back from injuries. Mm. Out here, I think one-on-one training has blew up because I feel sometimes the team training is not good enough. That, and people are searching for more. Yeah. And that, like you, you think about it, you know, academies back in the UK, how many of those parents are searching for one-on-one trainings? They're not. Now, I appreciate that people want to get extra touches and more of that, but I actually think that that's one of the reasons why it's so popular here because, you know, maybe their team trainings aren't demanding enough or maybe they're not getting the technical training that they expect. So it's, it's blew up. And to be honest, there's some people I know that do more one-on-one training than the other like like it, the one-on-one training is more important than the yeah. team training yeah and it's only gonna take you so far right as an individual yeah well you see many kids on the one-on-one training side can do all the moves and the tricks and the flicks and the first touch but you know I'm a big believer in this because in a game there you know I didn't mind getting stuck in and I didn't mind having that intensity and pressure on me and that's what makes you better but those kids then they lose out slightly because it's hard to really transition that into game day it really is so what I would say to people doing the one-on-one training is brilliant fantastic but get the avenues where your kids also getting it out of a game scenario 
So you go and do f- Toka, brilliant. Jump into a futsal game after it. Use what you did there, having a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old or a 15-year-old on your back. And now see if you can try it. Or take it into your team training environment or take it into you know, your, your scrimmage environment and take a risk. Like how many kids do you see do one-on-one trainings get given all these skills and they never take the risk in the actual match. Okay, yeah. You know, and I think part of that comes from fear of coach being too hard on them. Making a mistake. Making yeah. a mistake. Oh, we didn't win because he did an L turn at the edge of the box. But how good is it when the kid does do an L turn on the edge of the box and then passes it out? Yeah. Rio Ferdinand, right? <laughs> Defensive plug there, you know, sticking up three centre-back collegiates. So I think we all agree that you've got to find a balance, and Carl mentioned it more, a balance between individual and team-based technical training, you know, being able to benefit, obviously, yourself and have the skills to help your team, but you've got to be able to benefit the team in a, in a, in a team environment and be positive and bring something to the table, you know, on game day when you're playing with your teammates and bringing your individual skills that you maybe got from technical training into the game day environment, you know, helping your team to win the game. So any lasting thoughts on this topic, guys, before we move on? You know, anything you want to maybe let the parents know or, you know, listeners out there, something that you want to kind of conclude on here? Uh, one thing I would say is just to, because <clears throat> like, like we mentioned, I know we have quite a few parents who are volunteer coaches who listen to this. So we want to kind of help them out as much. That's part of why we're doing this podcast. I think we should say that we've, we've touched on it a little bit. If you're coaching the younger age groups, um, try and do your best to uh, get every kid with a ball as opposed to kids standing in lines waiting for their turn to pass a ball or dribble a ball or shoot a ball. It does take a little bit more time to just think about those things, but once you start doing it, you get in the habit and you'll you'll be able to, it'll, it'll come quicker and quicker to you. Just start to try and every kid with a ball or a ball between two, maybe three, and just try and make it a little bit more related to the game as opposed to just standing in lines and switching lines yeah. that would be the big thing for me yeah fair point Carl anything nobody cares about coach Johnny who won everything with the under six pocket rockets you know <laughs> what I mean and uh, it's all about making sure we're teaching these kids to be comfortable on the ball being able to make 101 decisions and whether they make mistakes or not reinforce it that they're on the right track okay I think that's a fair point so I think we've summarised the fact that yeah technical training is about working on first touch control you know as Sam gave a, a adequate list earlier of everything that you can use technical training for in a game but you know Carl mentioned it there being comfortable on the ball making good decisions and it's not just physically you know touched on when you talk about technical training it's also about mental and to making good decisions and using them skills to benefit not only the individual but also your teammates so good topic guys good part one We're heading into part two appreciate it Heading into part two of the podcast this week. As always, returning from a mishap last week, the full league recap. Reviewing our games from the weekend, anything that happened, any good stuff on the fields, off the fields, and, you know, talking about the development and how the teams did this weekend. Who wants to jump on this one first? Sammy Ferris, bring it in. Uh, just three games this weekend for me. Um, two very good, very pleasing ones. One very disappointing one. Um, 
disappointing not because of the result, but just because of the the way the way the team played and they played with a <clears throat> a lack of desire this weekend. One of my teams, which was very disappointing, made loads of mistakes. Not a big deal, but the the fact that they just didn't didn't have the desire to go out and play and compete was uh, was the thing that I was a little bit angry with. But luckily, they had two games this weekend, so they they were able to make up for it on the Sunday. They put in a really good performance on the Sunday, which was uh, pleasing. Helped finish the weekend on a high, you know. Good. Okay, glad to hear that the uh, weekend finished on a high for you. We'll get into that a little bit later. Dixon, how about you? Everything was good, you know. Busy weekend, but games went well. Uh, I actually played, both of my teams played beach, boys 2010 and boys 04. Beach Wanderers, as I called them. Why? I just love a love a love a long ball, whether it's <laughs> whether it's six years old or uh, sixteen. Uh, yeah, but it's two. Do you know what? Two very interesting games, because obviously twenty tens and 04 you're thinking, not really similar styles should be played, but yeah, uh, forced the twenty ten team to pass the ball. They couldn't. They smashed it long. And we were the dominant passing team. And then on the 04 age group, same again. Let them have it in their half, see if they'd play the way we like to play. And, uh, you know, send it along. Big, uh, I'm not sure the coach's name. I think his surname's Aldadice. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so all good. Then I covered the game late night, Saturday night lights at Miracosta. Oh, uh, the fortress. Yeah. 04 Red played a kind of dominant team, you know, only had one sub, it was a tough match, but yeah, the boys, boy, you were at that game, Dan, the boys worked was, yeah. really hard, like honestly, I think if all our teams work as hard as those 12 players do in every match, phew, we'd be a force, and uh, yeah, had a bit of a funny one on the sideline with the coach. Yeah, do you want to go into that a little bit? Featuring Aiden and Golo Conte, yeah. Uh, the coach was like Eastern European, so obviously at any point he had a shot of vodka, shots go wide, you know, the <laughs> usual. Uh, no, and, and one of our players, Aiden, uh, very technical, smaller kid, very aggressive, t- good tackle, you know, putting his body about. Uh, was playing against these bigger lads and he had to do it a little bit more and he did it a couple of times and then there was a situation where I think it was like a 50-50 and he put him on the weights a little bit and uh, American muscle the coach started screaming at the ref saying he's doing this all the time doing it all the time and then he kind of looks at Aiden and says he doesn't know how to play soccer which it was you know me and you sat there we kind of laughed at it but deep inside we also thought of how pathetic that was to make that comment you know like just because the kids maybe put a hard tackle in or thrown his body around doesn't mean that you should insult him like that and then on top of that Aiden was probably the technically the best player on the field in in terms of passing the ball and connecting the play and on and off the ball so yeah just thought it was another sad poor situation of a coach uh, to be honest he probably doesn't even deserve the, ter- the term coach uh, another person that just ruins youth sports really so yeah, yeah. all good a lot, lot of our teams you know still doing the right things all the coaches you know doing some great stuff so yeah 
plenty of stories I'm sure you guys have. How were your games? Yeah, I was. I had a busy weekend this weekend. I coached five games on Saturday. All of my about, own. About time you started doing some work, innit? <sighs> Giving back to the game, <laughs> me. Coached my own teams. Uh, 8 a.m. early one with the 07s away against Slammers. It was a fun game. Boys played really well, played some nice stuff, took advantage. Um, unfortunately, I. Oh, get to the 09s first. The 09s away at Real Socal out in the Valley. On the hill? I wasn't on the hill, no. <sighs> Wasn't on the hill, unfortunately. I was looking out for that, Sam. I know you mentioned the dreaded hill, but we weren't there. Uh, it was hot, but, you know, boys started on fire. Three goals in five minutes to start the game. Diego Hatcherick, you know, I'll give him a shout-out for that. Are you sure you weren't on the hill? You just didn't know you were on the hill? I'm not sure. You maybe. Playing Donnell first? Possibly. Possibly, yeah. I maybe didn't take into account. Because it's deceptive, the hill. Yeah. Oh, okay. Possibly. You know, you just don't know. I don't, I you only want... realise you're on a hill when you can't get out the back. <laughs> <laughs> But no, own eyes are brilliant, got a good win, you know, um, but played really well. More pleasingly, they battled with each other, you know, played as a team and really knocked the ball around. And then due to that, unfortunately, I had to miss the 06s game, played a local team with Galaxy. Um, Coach Chris was able to cover that for me, which was great. Said the boys done well, they battled hard, got a good, you know, battled, as I said, played some nice stuff and worked hard for each other. I came out of there, you know, with a good performance, moving on, staying unbeaten in flight two. And then uh, I was able to... Any stories? Can I, can I finish? Oh, I was just getting bored of you talking about yourself. Well, I don't get to, I don't get, I don't get to talk much on this podcast because I'm having to take care of these clowns. But, you know, I know the pair. I know why the listeners want to hear it. So, And I was able to cover Mark's 06 black team against Galaxy, which is boys play well. Um, and then finish it off. Coach Chris's 05 boys got a good result against Strikers. The first half, too direct, couple of shape mishaps, but easily fixed and went on to secure a good win and play some good stuff in the process. So, yeah, good weekend for myself and got to watch that game with you, Carl, yeah. So, you, you, so you're done? So, any stories? <sighs> stories? Uh, I'll let Sam kick off the stories. Seeing as he is the man of the story, I'll come back to me. I'll think of a good one. It was uh, something that I kind of learned this weekend that... Um, I don't know whether any of our listeners know this or not. Uh, feel free to kind of comment and let us know if, if you were actually aware of this. Um, Email Dan with your questions. Yeah. <laughs> or comment so, uh, on the Instagram and Facebook podcast posts. My 2010s were playing a game. Uh, one of our defenders had the ball in our box and then was kind of fouled. There was a little push from behind. Free kick, no big deal. The kid jumps up. Grabs the ball, plays a short pass to the left-back. Left-back controls it, whips it out to the left midfielder, and we're on a counter-attack. I was stood up, applauding the boys for playing quick. Uh, referee blows a whistle. So, referee takes it back. I'm kind of listening to what she's saying to the boys. She made him retake it because the ball... The free kick was inside the box. And when he made the pass, the ball didn't leave the box because the other player was inside the box who then played the next pass. The referee said, oh, the ball has to leave the box. So she made him retake it. Now, I was unaware of this. I know that on a goal kick, the ball has to leave the box. But I was under the impression that once that was kind of done, the, the, the game, that, that rule didn't apply anymore, whether it be free kicks, you know, anything else. But she showed me at half-time the rule in the FIFA, the FIFA rules that Sorry. it is actually a rule Sorry, that free kicks in the box like a goal kick, also have to leave the box. 
FIFA oh. rules relating to 2010s. She just showed me the FIFA rules. I don't know if there's any different rules for 2010s. With it, with it being over here, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a rule for 2010. There's a rule for a different one for the you know the the 9v9 teams, and maybe there's another one for the 11v11 teams as well. But <laughs> it was uh, it was interesting. Can't knock out professionalism, right? Rulebook can't knock that. Hey, fair play, but I I, I bet you, I would say. 90% of people don't know that. Oh, I know that. interesting to, to know. I, I, that, didn't, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Dan had absolutely no idea. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Dan just learned that he has to come outside the box on a, free, on a goal kick. Oh, too fair. No, he didn't learn that because his teams usually just smash it long. <laughs> so he knew it had to come outside it. So. <laughs> For those of you who have seen my teams play, <laughs> you know that is not true. Tiki Tack and McCarthy, they call me around oh, there. He's Spanish now. Yeah, I told you. Ape Spanish, great, great, great granddad. But yeah, no. Hey, it was interesting as well because if a goalkeeper's got the ball in his or her hands, he or she can roll it to a player who is inside the box and player will go on. Thanks for that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Sam. Carl, any stories? Uh, I mean, you know, you covered a couple of games, you coached complete different ends of the spectrum in terms of boys 2004 and way oh, down yeah, to the yeah. have, a, have a good one there there. we go have a good one uh, bring something to the table not, finally not actually not actually our club but on one of our fields uh, and local club was coming on after us against another team and uh, <clears throat> there's a there's a person renowned in the area uh, you know I think he's involved very heavily in AYSO and you know, referees a lot of games and, you know, likes to have his say and, you know, but anyways, my, uh, myself and Chris were just kind of chilling out. I was, I was walking the dog, you know, and we were having a watch and uh referee hasn't turned up for the game. Now, we've noticed this a lot and yeah. maybe it's good for our parents and people to hear this, that the referee schedule is pretty hectic and I don't think it's as organised as it could be and some of the refs have games finishing when they're supposed to be starting a game in a location that's like 15 or 20 minutes later, five minutes away, this, you know. This is probably a good time to plug as well. The email that we sent out to our parents about referees quitting, there's also a shortage of referees now because of parent and coach behaviour. So this is just a little plug, just a reminder. Yeah, so Sam, stop so, shouting at the referees, yeah? <laughs> so anyways, uh, yeah, both teams are kind of at their benches. The two coaches, and two female coaches, by the way, which love to see that, are talking to both their teams. And uh, yeah, no referee around. Coaches are talking to their teams. Kids are all just sitting there patient. And then, you know, this guy walks out onto the field. And then he walks over to our benches. Now... Any of our families listen to this, our coaches and the other coach can handle these situations. We don't need anyone else to get involved, you know? I think everyone's experienced enough to, if the referee's 10 minutes late or 20 minutes late, we can figure it out. But this guy completely overpowered, I think, the two coaches, and basically it turned out that he put himself up to referee the game. So he was in his uh, Sunday church clothes, <laughs> went to the car and like Superman 
His outfit was fully changed and he was in a crisp referee outfit. Oh, Socks, yeah. shorts and top on. Yeah. Honestly, he must have he must have had an iron and on a hanger in his car ready to go. So anyways, he walked out on the field, he blew the whistle. Captains, the usual, he's loving it. He's he's it. So okay, up, is Yeah, he? he's he's a centre of attention now. I'm loving the he went from one. being a fan to now, you know, he's involved. He which, is the man. To then car drives around the corner and in that car you can see a bright yellow outfit Uh oh! now referee it, it, it wasn't big bird from sesame street <laughs> it was a referee coming late from his other game so you know everyone i'm sure the coaches looked over everyone accepted it and this guy when the referee got out of his car it stand in the middle of the field shouted in front of everybody you're 15 minutes late and the referee was like, I just finished a game there. I got over here as quick as possible. Well, you shouldn't be late. And shouting, it was very embarrassing. And, you know, again, we talk about everybody. These referees are getting 30 or $40. It, it doesn't even fill up their, you know, gas tank. And I think we should you know, treat them with a little bit more respect and know they're not professionals and know that, you know, things are out of their hands. And I, I just thought, again, it was just one of those situations where I hope when it's our club, our parents will just sit down, relax, let the coaches handle the situation, let the coaches talk to the kids. You know, if someone's going to be late, let the kids be out in the field, four or five balls, just passing and moving, doing a little keepy-uppy, whatever they want till it comes, you know. But... It seems like everybody always wants to make a mountain out of a molehill, you know? So uh, I just thought that was an interesting one. We talk about a lot on this podcast of parent involvement. And I just thought there, it's like, I, I hope that we've set these boundaries in place in our club, that people know that, you know, if you're a volunteer coach or you're part of another organization, it doesn't necessarily mean it gives you any right in our organization to walk out on the field and you know do that and then for him to shout at the referee i thought it was just a bit sad so yeah that's that's a story not bad i don't think i've ever seen anything like that happen before i've had referees come late but i've never had uh, <laughs> a parent go and uh, whip on his referee uniform in the car park <laughs> hey always be prepared right <laughs> failure to prepare better to, to fail, fail. <laughs> there it is um, yeah, just touching on, you know, we don't like to talk about it too much because we, you know, we like to protect them and we do appreciate the work, time they put into us with referees. You know, they're going to make decisions uh, that go both ways. And I think we just got to learn to accept it and focus on our players and what they could have done better to maybe have not leave things down to the referee. For example, my 06s went in from the second minute. Um, one nil against a good Galaxy team played the whole game I arrived for five minutes to go they're still winning playing well and the referee gives a penalty in the last second last kick of the game for the other team and it's easy to get caught up in the emotions it's easy to get frustrated with a decision and the decision made by that referee but you've got to remember like Carl said the guys are getting minimal pay you know they're not as qualified as the professionals that you see on the referee and they're out there, you know, trying to get some exercise, trying to give back to the game. And, you know, it's easy to get caught up in that. And you just got to learn, you know, what. and the way you got to look at it and the way I looked at it was what could my team have done better 
before that event happened or what could we have done better in that situation to one maybe avoid giving the penalty and even before finishing the game off a prior to that so even if the penalty was given and scored it wouldn't affect the result if from the from the boys perspective you know the boys are looking at it for the result they want to win the game they want to get a good win but I'm looking at it as what could we have done better as a team collective to yeah, avoid just, just focus on the things you guys can control correct you can't control the decision the referee gives yes they're going to make mistakes the humans part but, of the game right and, we can't actually have a game without them, so whether we like it or not, we may as well make the best of it, you know? Correct, 100%, you know, take responsibility, leave it down to yourself rather than having to worry and focus on other initiatives. Yeah, it's a big part of sport, like we talked about, you know, with Kevin last week, you know, the hand of frog when they put Ireland out of the, you know, the tournament, but still better it's that's professional sports it's different you know it is different and people yeah. like you say you, you, we're trying to make decent technical players that can make multiple decisions on and off the ball but we're also teaching kids and youth to you know be good people and life lessons and you know after a game shouting out a window going we got cheated <laughs> you know robbery uh, you know the other team was cheating. It's just, it's not needed. Like, it is what it is, you know? What we're gonna do is we're gonna teach our kids to, you know, how do we overpower that on the field? And then, if we can't, once the game's over, we'll move on. We'll shake our hand, we'll get back to, you know, the training pitch, and we'll figure out next week, how do we not let that be a factor in the game? Yeah. So, but, you know, I, I, that's that's the drama of it. But I, it's good that we, a few of our stories are relating to referees because again, I think in general, our club has been very good this fall. Agreed. Our sidelines have been very good, and I think people are starting to get it. And I think our coaches lead by an example. You know, our coaches have conversations with the referees, and it's mostly very social and fun. And you know, there's situations where like Sam. And the 2010 free kick scenario, and he has to say, ref, uh, what's going on here? But it's not a situation where, ref, it's not you know, and, and he's yeah. abusing her and whatever's happening, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's a, it's a great topic. Anything anything else? Anybody see anything? Any, any other bits and bobs? <sighs> For someone... I was- I just spent the weekend trying to figure out this reel with the uh, plane out of the box. When I was FIFA.com and then your research. I think for someone who coached a lot of games this weekend, you know, not too much happened. I, I, is that a good thing? Maybe. You know, maybe it shows that, you know, things are going in the right direction and the game is coming together nicely and everyone's on the same page, going in the same direction. I will give testament to one of my team's parents who remained calm and supported in the correct manner in one of their games against a team that were very physical and tough and the parents were very partisan kind of like Celtic Park on a Tuesday night in the Europa League give Liam a shout out <laughs> but you know I think our community understands it they get it they're there for the right reasons there's a way to support there's a way to do it and I'll, a testament to them for doing that and I think that shows that our club is our message is getting through you know do things in the right way we're here we want to play the sport we love the sport but we want to do it in the correct way yeah, yeah. I, I think from the league kicked off we haven't had any issues, you know, most of our stories relate to other teams and other yeah. sidelines. And, and I think parents are now not only absorbing what we put out there, but they're, you know, they're walking the walk now and they've really got 
and understood the culture. Like, honestly, I think people should hear this, but something from my end, what I wanted to do was I wanted to really kind of have moments where maybe parents on the sideline are being too much. I wanted to kind of single them out where, you know, it's becoming now only one or two. And then I want to have them have a feeling inside of being a little bit embarrassed. And I think if people, if that catches home and when people are shouting as loud as they can, go, 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 or they're screaming at the ref, I think now you're only seeing it one or two. Mm. And I think a lot of those one or twos are now pulling back because there's a thing of, you know, they're looking around them and everyone else is sitting in their chair, chilled out, being <clears throat> supportive or not saying a thing. So, yeah, I think that, that you know, hopefully people listen to this. That's what I want to get to because honestly, in my opinion, shouting and screaming, calling the referee a cheat, calling the other team a cheat, getting angry over uh, any kind of sporting game under the age of 16 is embarrassing. It really is. So, gotta learn to control the emotions of the sport, right? <laughs> you won't see Dixon running down a touchline, knee sliding, celebrating a 90th minute winner for the 2010s. I, I, I had to single a parent out this weekend actually in my 10s game. Ooh. We had a dun, 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 dun. We had a goal disallowed for offside. It was actually a really Wait good there, goal. hold on. Offside. How offside. many offside? Offside. Oh, so, plural. A. Offside. Plural. Let's keep it. Keep it classy. We cater to both, you know, the Atlantic and the Pacific. Come and uh, quite a good goal, good little passing goal, very marginal as to whether it was offside or not. Better. And the lad, did I say offside first time? Yeah. We'll have to play that back. I don't think. You did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're um, the American. Do you, in want, the room. do you want to clarify correctly what we're talking about? Someone. So we're talking about the rule, the offside rule, being called offside and not what it's called over here as offsides with an with an S on the end. Obviously, offsides is plural, which would mean, you know, in more than one instance, there are, you know, two offsides going on or something along. I don't even know where it's come from. (laughs) (laughs) The only time, I mean, well, I don't know. We used to say when we were kids, are we playing offsides? As in, like, just to clarify before the game, like, are we playing the offside rule? Yeah. And offsides, I guess, was just a quick way of saying the offside rule. But I don't know where the offsides comes from over here, but it is actually offside duh. Yeah. Offside. Uh, so we an don't, example we don't, we don't would be, be yes, you know, Johnny's Johnny is offside. It's actually Johnny's offside. Yeah. So we had a goal. Cheers for that, call. That was disallowed because a play was offside. Good goal. Guy smashed it in the corner. Very close, but referee give it as offside. One of the parents had a little shout at the ref because he thought it was a goal shouldn't have been given offside and all that sort of stuff. And it was a close one, but it is what it is. It's a kid's game. It's not a massive deal. You know, it was a great finish. It was a great passing move. We still did that. Granted, the goal didn't go down on paper, but we don't even keep score at that age anyway. So it technically doesn't even matter. Um, So I just had to shout over to him, like, hey, I called out his name. We don't need that. Don't worry about it. Calm yourself down. And that was that. And I shouted it across so everyone could hear. That was the only incident we had in the game of a parent shouting at a referee or disputing a call or whatever. Hopefully, in the future, he'll be kind of embarrassed enough that it won't happen again. Hopefully, my parents are the same. They they now don't want to get called out 
for shouting at the referee or shouting something to the boys. So, well, I, I think you just did what we talked about. Yeah. You know, you kind of, you know, we're not in the business of singling people out, but we're trying to get people to run the course. So you you kind of singled yeah. them out, and uh, you know, I'm sure he accepted it, and I'm sure part of him felt a little embarrassed. Yeah. And I think now next time, you know, that might not happen. And I think it's a, uh, you know. We talk about the kids and learning moments. I think the parents have to learn how to be, you know, appropriate and, and the right parent on the sideline. So I'm lucky, my parents are sound as a parent. <laughs> yeah, okay. Move on. Uh, you, put, you put yourself on the chopping board. Every, every, like everybody who listens to this, does, is there anything in Dan's life that's bad? Like Happy go lucky guy. Life's good for me. Is there anything? Is there anything apart from spending our first thirty minutes this morning recording recording part one, and then it doesn't <laughs> upload, so we have to re-record part one? But you know, that's people don't see this stuff, Dan. We do. We we know the truth. Anyways, let's move on. Slim in a California dream, man. <laughs> Happy guy. Summing it up, part two. Let's tie it back into let's tie it back into part one. Anything that you saw, just to finish off this part, anything you saw from a technical training or anything that you saw from a kid or a team that you maybe perhaps worked on in practice this week or something you saw in your games this weekend that you you were a fan of and you know you were like that ties back into what we talked about earlier, the technical training and the individual and benefit the team. Just just for me, again, focusing on the seven v seven and I you know I mentioned there beach wanderers if anybody doesn't know what i'm talking about i'm talking about bolton wanderers who my granddad actually played for but sam aldadice was a you know coach of that team and you know they were renowned a little bit for the long ball and you know sam aldadice has kind of done that so that's where that was but the training and the technical stuff you know it showcased this weekend you know all my 12 players got in the game everyone were decision making whether you know to dribble to pass back to play out wide to play the striker's feet and uh, you know you run the course you stay the course that'll happen will you win every game no no you won't but that is not what it's about it's not about the under 10 state cup (laughs) winning that it's about are these 12 players good enough to move on to the next level. And when we get to the next level, are they gonna be good enough to move on to the next level after that? Whether it's high school, college, or whatever it is, that's what we're searching for. We're searching for technical players. So I got it this weekend. Actually, out of both my teams, I was very happy. But will it be like that every weekend? No, but stay the course. Hardest thing with kids is consistency, right? They can all do it. Everybody can do something once or something twice, magical, but the good teams, the great teams are the ones that do it week in, week out, right? And that comes from the coaches preaching the the core values, the good things to do and, you know, continuing to get them weekly. Sam? Yeah, uh, my games, What one thing that I noticed in my games were uh, linking it back to the, the kind of the technical training on a technical aspect. Um, without being biased, I try not to be biased. I think my team as a whole had better kind of technical ability as a, as a full team. Now, we don't really tend to have any individuals on my teams, but we, we always seem to come up against teams who have one or two special players. Same, hey, by the way, same as me. I, a lot, every team that I've coached in the club has been a team. Yeah. You know, it has, we don't have a luxury of having 
one or two and we, we come standouts. Up, we come up against these teams who have you know one or two players who technically are, are, are the, the two best players on the field by a mile and then the rest of the team are just kind of almost it sounds bad to say but almost just making up the numbers their job is literally just get the ball to these two players they can do the rest it's a shame from a development perspective it is yeah it is because it's you know if, if I can do that with my team of players who are of a little bit lesser technical ability to start with why can other coaches not do that with yeah. with players who are starting out to be you know starting off with a little bit better technical ability than my players um, but again it comes down to what we talked about about you know my practices having quite a lot of technical elements to them especially in the younger ages maybe the coaches that we're coming up against just are focusing on different things you know that's a fair point you know from a technical point uh, my team's played well not as they've played better in other weeks um, they've moved the ball better they've connected better passes and you know and been more clinical in the attacking third but I think you know like we say consistency is hard to get and you've got to keep working on the, on the practice field to get that um, but a big thing for me is just keeping things simple do the simple things right do the basics right and the game becomes easier I think sometimes as coaches players parents are like we sometimes overcomplicate the game and we try things that necessarily are not welcome on the field you know just keep it simple it's a team game I'm a big believer in sharing the ball pass and move keeping things simple moving the ball side to side and that'll figure most things out and this week didn't see that as much from my teams but I'm sure in future weeks when we continue to focus on it we'll get there so yeah I think that's a good round up any, any lasting thoughts Carl before we move on nope let's roll it on lad alright Finish there, part three coming up. And cheers, guys. Carl, no? Nope. <laughs> Rolling into the final part of the podcast this week, part three. Typically, we usually do a Premier League slash Champions League review from the games of the week in this episode, or sorry, should I say in this part. However... We wanted to mix it up this week. We've been having some great feedback from parents and listeners on the podcast, asking some questions that are relative to soccer over here in the US and even comparing it to football back in the UK. See what I did there? Um, so we're going to answer some questions, uh, discuss some points that have been discussed elsewhere, and uh, we'll go with that. So, go. yeah, go on. We're going to be lucky not to lose you to a big time podcast with jokes like that, aren't we? <laughs> I must say, I've been. I've been Was into, there an actual joke there? Been in talks with ESPN and Amazon, but we won't, we won't go into that because I don't want to be, you know. What question get, are we starting with? Uh, Do we want to make sure to let people know? Send us as many. Oh yeah, of course. You know where where should they send them? Host, yeah. you know. Well, I was actually going to do that at the end. We'll do it. We can do it now. You know, we've received questions on. We are always upload our episode links to our Facebook and Instagram pages for the clubs and the Surf Soccer Club. So, get on Facebook, Instagram, follow us on there. Look out for a the post with the podcast artwork of myself, Carl, and Sam looking good, pointing to the. Uh, up a nighty title it's a bit cold in that photo in it for Sam yeah he might, <laughs> might see a couple of stiff ones on the chest there but <laughs> but yeah have he a look for that he a cover up tape you know the Kardashians <laughs> yeah. Sam he's, he's, he's coaches Kardashians sometimes but yeah um, look for that look for the link and feel free to comment on them posts on the Facebook and Instagram page with your questions or thoughts feedback 
things we can discuss. We're going to look to do this more in the third and final parts of our podcast to give back to the parents and reach out and grow the community on this podcast. So one that we had from Grace Walker, Ethan Walker's mother on the boys 08 black team, an avid supporter of the club and a great addition to our club, was are the sidelines in America a lot different to the sidelines in the UK in terms of parent behaviour and expectations on that sort of stuff? So, Sam, kick it off, my friend. What do you think in that question from Grace? Uh, yes, they are. All right. Do I need to expand? I'm sure Grace would appreciate it. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, many times I've seen it, we've talked about it, not just us guys, we've talked about it with many different coaches and many different friends that like the, the sidelines over here can just be crazy at times I think the, the main times that you notice it is at the, the kind of the higher level or the, the higher intense games where like a, a final in a tournament or you know a playoff game and parents and I think the post was about grandparents as well anyone on that sideline just at times just seems to go crazy it's almost as if you know they're watching the kids play in the World Cup final and and if they don't win the game, there's going to be some massive punishment and it's like win at all costs. And some of the shouting and the screaming is just its just crazy. The fact that adults shout at kids, shout at referees is just ridiculous. And it's something that when I talk to my friends who coach at clubs back in England, they don't have anything. They don't have any of these problems. Um, my personal opinion on, on why it's so bad here is is down to the the pay as you play model, a uh, pay to play model. Sorry, so th- those people that are listening that aren't aware, pay as you play. That sounds like a sounds like a phone contract. That does. <laughs> <laughs> those those are the contracts that I used to get on. <laughs> Top up your sim ten pound a month. If if you're injured, you don't get paid. You know. Are we looking for Metro PCS sponsor? <laughs> pay as you play. <laughs> I used to have to pretend I wasn't injured just to get in the squad to get me money. That was all. Uh, yeah, sorry, pay to, pay to play. Um, and I think that, well, sorry, for, for those that don't know, in England, or, well, I think probably the rest of Europe, we can say it, soccer is free. Basically, you might pay a small amount just to rent an indoor facility if, if the weather's bad, just to kind of keep the club going, but it's only a few dollars here and there. So it's a little bit different in this country. Just pay a small fee to join the team as well, just to get uniform, but nothing. Yeah, nothing. Nothing, nothing like what we pay. We're talking maybe what fifty dollars a year, yeah. even you know, maybe not even that. Right. Um, and basically, I think that when when you get people that are paying for a product like they are over here, I think if they feel that they are kind of they have a right to say what they want and almost do what they want. You know, they class themselves as kind of a part of it or a, you know a shareholder. Part of the furniture. Yeah, and I think. I think that kind of stems and that, that makes them feel like they've got the right to scream and shout and, you know, talk on the sideline and say the coach should be doing this or the coach should be doing that when 99% of the time the coach on the other side of the field has forgotten more about the game of soccer than some people on that sideline will ever know in their lives. Oh, that is... And, Boom! It, it might sound, it might sound like a big statement. Most but people thought that would come out of my mouth, but I'm I was going to say that one. It's, it's Sam's channeling his ear. Sam is showing his real personality because <laughs> he's played this act for a while. Showing his true colours. He is people. He's more ruthless than even me. 
not don't know about as ruthless but he's definitely kicking in there yeah go on yeah that, that's just kind of my take on it and I think obviously parents feel as though because they're paying for it you know we're, we're not obliged to kind of kick them or kick the kid out of the club I think they feel safe and all that sort of stuff whereas back home if if you've got a problem parent on your team the coaches will just remove that parent if they keep getting problems even though the parent's not coming to the games they'll then just have to remove that player and I think the fear that people back home do that that kind of helps helps keep that sideline under control mm. um, I don't know if you've got anything on that kind of thing Carl well, just quickly jumping in here. Seeing as the trend this week is to be ruthless like Carl and Channel Art and a Dixon. We're jumping on the bandwagon, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Here is the sheep. Sorry, I, I just speak the truth. And whether it comes out the way it does, I, I apologise. I'm a pretty nice guy. <laughs> Question People can, we can vote on that if you want. Yeah, we, we can do, we can do a poll. To be fair, Dan could be setting us up for a joke here. You've, you've, oh, seen, you've right. seen his one-line, Dan. <laughs> no, it's actually serious for me. I know I'm the happy-go-lucky Tyrell Wens kind of guy on this podcast, but for me, Sam mentioned it well there, the pay-to-play model, which is a topic we'll definitely get into further on another episode of the podcast. But for, for me, and we've just actually got a follow on Instagram from Surf Club, which is oh, nice. Beautiful. Yeah, that's nice to see. Anyways, but, um Pay to like play. He's dodging around this. He said he's going to be ruthless. I'm going in there. Give me a chance. You know what I mean? But yeah, um, pay to play model. For me, why are you paying a coach to coach your kids if you just want to be on the sideline coaching your kids yourself? Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. That's a great point. Dan, I tell you what, you finally brought your worth to this podcast. <laughs> I spend so much time having to keep these clowns under control and having to, you know, solidify the arguments and keep them from, you know, getting physical. But no, honestly. It only took you four podcasts. I said something <laughs> useful, but anyways, go on. The knowledge, you're, you're hitting, hitting something. The nice. knowledge is there. Um, but no, pay a substantial amount of money in terms of what we pay back home, as Sam has obviously discussed, for these qualified coaches to coach your children and be with them. You spend a lot of time with these kids, you know, and with games and practices and extracurricular activities that you may do. But, you know, and you're being paid to give your wealth of knowledge and to manage them in a a positive environment and to teach them not only about soccer, I suppose, predominantly soccer, of course, but also how to be good people. And um, I think, honestly, why are you paying that substantial amount of money to a person who, on paper, and hopefully their reputation, reputation, sorry, should I say, solidifies that they are qualified to do so, I'm to coach in, soccer. Right there because this might be something that people back home uh, that are listening might not know either. If you think you could do the job better um, yourself. Yeah. If all these, all these other sports in America, to be a coach, you don't actually need any qualifications. They don't do coaching courses or coaching licenses. Mm. Soccer, I believe, is the only sport where they actually have organised and like a, a, a pathway to like the, the coaching education, the coaching licences. And many parents may not know this, but obviously all of our coaches are licensed. Parents on the sideline who want to, you know, give their insight and all this sort of stuff because they're used to doing it at a basketball game or a baseball game where they are the same level as that coach because that coach does not have any qualifications. Right. They may have played the game, but no actual real, you know, been on a course and and being graded on something. Yeah. It, it's good that people need to know that all of our coaches do have and have to have these qualifications and these licenses 
which they don't have in other sports. And one that you you recently done one, I'm, I'm sure, and I recently done one in the summer with a few of the other coaches. Coach education, always learning. And we put in the work, we put in the effort. You know, we give up our weekends to give our best account of ourselves and to do the best for the kids because, you know, we put a lot of time and effort into it and I think we should be trusted to do that and we should be left alone to coach the game that we're qualified to do. And, you know, if you don't feel that way, you don't agree with that way, then maybe you shouldn't be paying the substantial amounts for club soccer if you feel like you're that backseat parent who should be coaching from the sidelines, which we don't, you know, we don't condone. We don't want that happening, right, Carl? But, yeah, jump on it, Carl. What do you think? Uh, back to the question. Yeah. You know, it, I think it's there's a lot of talking factors and there's a lot of discussions that could stem from it. I, I think the biggest one is culture it really is you know Something like we discussed last week you talk about the pay to play system and we don't have that that's one thing in the culture you think of how old the game is here in comparison to where we're from that's the culture you know uh an example of that just to go back to what you guys are talking about you know like you said someone is paying money to have a coach who has a playing background who has an educational background in the sport and also is pursuing more education and goals for themselves in that sport you know for that parent to turn around who has never played the game and are maybe a tennis player and tell you what they think it's that to me is a big culture difference you know back home uh my dad would have never told, uh, came out here and seen a sport going on and told a guy who's throwing a baseball how to throw a baseball. Yeah. It just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen. You know, it's the same with us. You know, hopefully my wife and me will be blessed with kids, but I will certainly not be at home trying to teach him how to play lacrosse. I've, I have no clue on how to play lacrosse. So I will outsource it to where I'll get someone to help him or maybe there's a couple of kids around the street to play and he just jumps in and picks it up. But I think there's this culture thing of, you know, just overpowering and thinking you know more when that's not the case. Like Sam said, that ruthless comment, I won't repeat it. Uh, but it, it, is a, it is a big factor. And I think then that's where a lot of the frustration is actually caused from coaches versus parents because coaches are at home planning sessions they're trying to do a job you know some of them get it right some of them get it wrong but receiving that email from a parent on what they would do are well when i coach my rec team you know it becomes frustrating and more annoying than helpful for the situation so i think that's a big culture change as well like you guys think about it you know uh, my family all played at a very high level never once did my granddad speak to my under 10s coach never not once it, it wasn't a thing he he's the you know we didn't even really call him a coach we called him the manager but yeah it, it was his job i'm on his team and that is what it is and if we're not happy then you look for another team or that but you don't you don't get into this situation where you know telling them what to do or get you know this and that i think the other thing is like cultural the culture difference as well is you know a big thing out here after the game right i think a lot of people's experiences are related to actual other sports and not 
the game. Now, what you're going to see is in the next 20, 30 years, all these kids who are playing have now got a new culture about them because they all played growing up and they were all coached at a club level with someone with more experience in the game. So the culture is going to change. But right now still, a lot of the culture is based on people's experience in playing high school football. When I say football, I mean NFL. You know, uh, being a track runner in college. And then a lot of their experiences is also related to those coaches. Like you look at NFL coaches, all they do is scream at the kids and they run the kids. And there's some parents out here actually want their soccer coach to be like that. They think that's right, you know, and they think that works in the sport. You know, look at after the game. Most people out here, what do they ask their kid? Did you hustle? Back home, did, did, did your dad or granddad ever say that you work hard? No. The first thing they'd ask you was, how'd you play? And then you'd go into it and go, oh, my passing was decent today, give a few, away a few balls. But that's the difference right there. They're focusing on the technical part of the game. And, you know, out here, you know, it's very like punishment running, you know, loud voices, you know, if my, you know, if my kid's not doing something right, run him. It's almost how, like, how is that going to make him a better player? It's almost old school coaching from 100 years ago. Yeah. That like hasn't developed. You know, so, so going back into the question then, how is, tying it all back into the question, how is the sideline, because I know you're going there, how is the sideline different here to look, the UK? Is there parents back in the UK and other countries shouting and screaming at refs? Yes. Is there people, you know, getting into arguments? Yes. Is the culture very different? Yes. You know, and uh, uh, we're in our club, we're just trying to make it to where people focus more on asking their kid how they played and moving on than being, you know, honestly, the Alexi Lalas of under 12 soccer like that that is literally sometimes what we all feel like you're 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 coming off the field going straight into a press conference listening to a guy who wants to just really tell you what he thinks and not listen you know and and i think yeah there's there's huge culture differences and that's what we're trying to do in our organization make sure everybody's on the same level and knowing what we want you know we're not into punishing and running the kids we're looking at kids to be good on the ball and off the ball and we're focusing on that in the performance you know is there going to be days where your team's going to need to do a fitness session or something of course but we're not going that's not the rule of thumb screaming and shouting at kids you know and if they're not doing something right run them you know so just huge culture differences you know a lot of experiences i feel come and look this is not to take away from people who grew up playing soccer here, but I think it's 25% right now. And I think in 20 years time, it's gonna be 60 to 70%. All these kids will be parents and they've grew up with a game and the culture will be slightly different. You know, can you imagine a kid who's coached by me when he's 35? He's gonna relate his experience to what I did with him as a coach and he's gonna profess that to his kids and parents and it's going to be a snowball effect. So that that's the hope, right? Yeah, that is. That's what we're trying to that's achieve as coaches. The dream. The dream, as one would say, yeah. So, do I have anything to finish out for you? Okay with that? No, happy with that one? Yeah, I think we covered that one pretty well. I hope you're happy with that, Grace. Um, next one here that we have. 
couple of parents have asked us, what do we expect from a, as a club, sorry, from our parents during the week, practices, games, communication on and off the field, etc., etc. What do we expect from our parents regarding club exercises? So, as Sam, we'll get you on this. Where I heard your voice in a while. What do you think? Um, pretty simple, really. Just uh, make sure that the kids are coming to practice, that they're getting there on time. Uh, games as well as practice any extra events that we do just making sure the kids are always there they're not missing things unless they have something you know really important or they're you know they're injured and they just can't make it or they're sick what's really important uh Got him. Important to miss practice to be honest (laughs) you got a love for the game right no obviously someone's sick Someone's injured and they, they can't make it out there to kind of be around and watch. Um, I mean, your next door neighbour's birthday party. <laughs> That's important. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, other than being injured and sick, I don't really see any reason why they shouldn't be. Kids sometimes miss because of homework, but that's something that should be done. It should be something that is taken care of. Yeah, I'm not it's a not, big fan of that. It's not really a good excuse. No. It's just bad time management. Yeah. Um, but then on the times when, you know, like say they are sick, they are injured something's going on obviously the, I expect the parents to inform me and let me know what's going on in good time so I can adjust my sessions plan for them not being at the game etc etc and then other than that just turn them over to me and let me uh, do my best to make them better soccer players better people yeah. you know we don't we don't need them like I said we just kind of mentioned that we don't really need the feedback on what they think about the team and the game you know we it comes from a good place but you know we don't technically need it you know, I, I, I like how you included technically there. Very nice. <laughs> I've been made, you know, the coach of the team. They've signed the kids up to play for my team. You know, whether they pay for it like they do over here or it's it's free like it is in Europe, turn them over to your coach. Let him let him do his work and make those kids as good as he possibly can. You know. So yeah, I agree with everything you said there. So you, just to clarify, just to simplify that, big believer in communication, over communicating, and commitment to what you signed up for club soccer and the commitment to come with it for sure yeah yeah for sure Cole yeah it's just pretty much along the same lines you know me as a as a director and then as a coach uh, you know making training and games a priority to attend that's you know number one you know obviously the parents get the kids there so getting them there on time getting there to everything is important things will pop up we understand that so communicate to the coach so they can plan ahead uh, be supportive of what the coach and the club are doing you know uh, and not about what you think and that stems into you know you, you're signing up for our club for a certain reason if you kind of read our mission or you get feedback from the coach and this doesn't really sit with you then maybe we aren't the club for you but we expect if you are part of our club you're supportive and you run the course with what the club and the coach are doing uh as a parent trust the process yeah as a parent with our coaches you know be social uh before the game say hello ask them how their day is you know the, the i think the worst thing about being a coach sometimes is burnout you know, we, we talk to each other about the game a lot, mm. but that's what we do. But 
it's sometimes nice for someone just to say, you know, how's your dog? Did you do anything with your wife? Instead of going straight into football, football the boys football. played well, the boys didn't, or being a sports analyst. Uh, people, you know, they get our Sunday emails. So we give them everything out of our mind after that game. And I think that's enough. Yeah. So I would say to parents, be social, say hello to your coach, you know, know that your coach from Monday to Sunday every week has got this on their brain. They're talking about coaching. They're talking about games. They're watching other people's games. They, they, they need a little something else from the parents, in my opinion. Uh, and then probably the final thing would be be respectful of everything. You know, be respectful of your coach. Be respectful of the practice scenario. You know, don't be sitting beside the field feel sacred you know be respectful of the game day scenario you know be respectful of the referees be respectful of the coach's philosophy be respectful of the coach's demeanor and his style you know everyone's different you know because unfortunately there's a there's a lot of situations out there where it's not respectful and it's it's quite sad you know so yeah, as, as a parent through the week, through the year, that's, that's what we expect. And I don't think we're asking a lot. I think we're actually asking a lot, lot less. That yeah. we don't, you know, the involvement doesn't need to be as much. And I will say this, if people want to give their energy and want to be involved, help with stuff like team parties, you know, days off the field like can we do a beach day for fun you know because that's where coaches need help yeah. coaches don't need help on the sessions the game day plans the, the formations the player development they don't but you know they need help uh, getting a restaurant organized for a lunch at a tournament so that that's where people should focus their energy on yeah great point um, I think we should probably just add into that one as well the 24 hour rule very important and just to make sure any anyone who's listening from our club you, you, sh- you should have already heard it from your coach we have a 24 hour rule which if you do ever need you know maybe if there's an issue with something or you need to speak to your coach that's fine as we said coaches will communicate with you just be respectful of that 24 hours after the game just so you know the coach has time to kind of get his thoughts together often after a game emotions can be running high you know parents may say things they don't mean same thing for the coach so if there is ever a time where you need to speak to a coach for whatever reason about the game or something like that, just set up a time, give it 24 hours and then deal with it that way. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, just echoing everything you guys said, I think you've covered pretty much everything there. In terms of what we expect from as a club and as coaches in particular. You know, um, one thing for me would be just support in the right manner. I touched on earlier about my parents, you know, supporting the kids in the right way and I think that's very important. Anybody can support a team, but it's the way you do it and the way you handle yourself. And I think for this club, we're very good at that and we need to continue that, um, you know. And also, allow giving time, space, freedom to the coaches to do their job. You know, dropping them off at practice, get, let them get out of the car, let them go on the field on their own. They don't need to be walked over, uh, hand, hands on, hey, coach, how you doing? Just let it go. And then at games, drop them off. And then it's their time with the coach. You know, the coach only gets so much time in a week to work on things and so much time to be with them so you paid you paid that coach you paid that club for a reason so let them do their work and watch the results come you know so they'd be my two support in the right way and give the time and freedom to do your jobs you know and that's a good point on even when you sign up to a team and a club that maybe it's not going well 
still be respectful of that situation too because there's yeah. other kids that signed up to that team and yep. not every situation goes well and not every team has a winning season and you know not every coach is actually a right fit but to go on a tirade and ruin that experience for everyone yeah. is tough so you know again look put it into perspective it's youth sports you know that they learn more lessons out of how all the adults act than yes. what they do. They really do. Put the team first. Right, guys? Is that a good way? To, I think that's a good way to summarize it. Yeah? Yeah, for Rufus, I'll come in out there. <laughs> Anything else, guys? We have a couple more, but, you know, maybe we can save them for next time. Anything else we want to touch on? Uh, no, we'll discuss you and how you build your jokes up and you know we'll, we'll, we'll help you next week so help maybe you can ask the listeners to send you some jokes <laughs> actually some of the 2010 boys could help them right? I do remember Sam saying earlier that they might lose me to a bigger platform that, that the way this is going that might be happening um, but no great topic something a new initiative we want to introduce so guys get your questions in you can email myself I'll take that Dean McCarthy at sandandsurfsoccer.com with your questions and any feedback on the podcast feedback being we like this part we want to hear more of this not I think you should do this at practice this week <laughs> send your questions send your questions um, parent questions you know anything that you see on the sideline or in the par- at practice or in games you know things that you want to know we want our parents to be educated we want our listeners to be educated in the game especially with you soccer over here in the state so if you have a question and you don't know and you don't have time to ask us in the week due to your busy schedule shoot me an email better that you can either get on our facebook and instagram pages as i said follow us at santa surf soccer club you can post your questions and thoughts on the posts that we upload regarding the, po- uh, the podcast and we'll get on them on each section the last section of each podcast each week we'll get on them and answer them in our usual funny charismatic slash straight to the point way as Carl would say but oh, I'll bring the humour so don't worry alright guys good week <laughs> <laughs> good week another good week on the podcast Sam over and out yep see you guys next week that's we, if he we, doesn't have a rough <laughs> <up there, right? laughs> will you be here next week or <laughs> you got something on the calendar extracurricular this weekend or will you be here international man of mystery I don't know <laughs> <laughs> <Carl>. Sam Powers <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Carl anything from you no I gotta go adios folks alright guys thanks for listening see you next time That was week four of the Upper 90 podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Great to have Sam back on the show this week. Looking forward for the club. On Tuesday this week are our club photos for the younger age group over at Manhattan Village Field. So make sure you check your team's that schedules for that. Also on Tuesday and Thursday this week are some of our team's turns to hit the Velocity Training Centre. Again, make sure you check your team's that schedules for that to make sure you know when you're going in. On Wednesday... Another week of skills clinic for our teams. The 2010 to 2007 age groups are welcome from 6 to 7 p.m. And the 2006 to 2004 age groups, 7 to 8 p.m. Both at Begfield in Manhattan Beach. Again this weekend, full league games. Good luck to all the coaches, parents, kids on their respective teams. Hope it all goes well. And we'll see you next time on week five of the podcast. Take care.
per 90, a podcast presented by Sand and Surf Soccer Club. Paul Scholes from the phone booth. Oh, laser.